Hello and welcome to the next episode of the ADHD Mums podcast. This is very exciting. We have the beautiful Lou Fitz here from the Anxiety Project. Welcome, Lou. Thank you. So much. So pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. If there was one area that I hear the most about, it would be anxiety. So I just think we can't get enough information. We can't get enough perspectives on anxiety. It is so important to us as women, but also to our daughters. So I'm going to do a brief bio on Lou. So Lou has a lived experience approach. See, she supports passionate, anxious individuals. Oh my God, passionate, anxious. That's so me. To find their inner confidence, inner truth, and lift the bar on self-knowledge by learning who the fuck they are, why they are the way they are, so they can own themselves authentically without worrying mind shitstorms getting in the way. Lou shares her lessons learned from coming out the other side of a 20-year battle with anxiety and four-year battle with depression. Through hearing her relatable, raw, as-fuck storytelling, she will have you laughing, crying, and feeling a whole lot better about the craziness inside your head and inspire you to take back control and authentically be you. That is one of the best bios I have read in a while. I love that bio. <laughs> it's it's me, right? It's just It is you. It is you. Now, how many boys do you have, Lou? I did want to ask you that. So I've got two boys, so four and a half and six and a half. Okay, so you've got four and six. Okay, yeah. and you have diagnosed ADHD, correct? Yes, this correct. year. Yeah. This year. Oh, wow. You are fresh. I'm a okay. freshie. You yeah. are fresh. Virgin. Now we are, we, you are a virgin. So we were talking about what we would call this podcast episode. We don't know at this point. We're going to come up with that at the end. We know it's going to be anxiety related. We haven't got much prepared because both of us are freestylers. So God knows where we'll end up. Hang on to your hats, ladies. I reckon we're going to be going rabbit holes here. Let's start from the beginning if we can, knowing that you're going to go off track, Lou. How about we start at the beginning of your journey and how was it that you've even come into this anxiety battle and how has this whole thing started for you? Yeah, for sure. Well, to be honest, I didn't realise how long I'd had anxiety for until I was out the other side. I say, come out the other side. And I didn't seek help, I guess, until I was in my late 20s when that actually spiralled into depression. And I didn't realise how much anxiety controlled my life until I got out the other side because it was like anxiety was all I knew. It was who I was. I was just this overanalyzing, overthinking, self-doubting, low confidence, anxious, jealous, non-sleeping perfectionist shit show on the inside. But on the outside, I was like, Lou, yeah, the goer, like doing all the things and organizing all the things and being that like woo 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 person for my whole life. But on the inside, I was just this lonely, self-doubting, crumbling, fake human being. And it got to a point after my first child that I, especially, I was just like, I'm so exhausted from wearing these masks. I'm so exhausted from feeling so fake and just feeling like there was something else inside me that I I couldn't, I don't know, it was like this massive block. But for my whole life, like looking back, I was just trying to fit in. But I would get anxious about text messages, about the tone of the text message, about whether or not someone would leave a kiss. I would get anxious about every single, like, simple thing in every day 
I would get anxious about going food shopping, driving. In the grocery line, when I was putting stuff on the conveyor, conveyor belt, I would get anxious if someone was coming behind me and going to be judging me about what I had on my conveyor belt. Like, oh, I sound really old now. We don't really have conveyor belts much, do we? It's all self-serve. <laughs> it was so bad, but no one knew because I was like the mask. I was like the black belt of wearing masks. And it was really just completely exhausting and crumbling and just so shit. At this point, did you know that you were masking or was this completely normal for you? This is life. This is how people feel. Yeah, this was me. It was like, it was, it was like a limb. It was what I had done my whole life was wear these masks. But at the time I didn't think they were masks. I would just try and do the best. Like I was a job slut, like I call myself job slut because I would go from job to job to job to job. I I just got bored easily. I wanted the next thing, but in that role of any role that I was in, I was I was a very good worker because I was just so desperate for people to like me, for me to do a good job. But even if when I did a good job, I would just then overanalyze and overthink and it's not good enough. And and the anxiety was just completely crippling. And I, I went to therapy. I went to therapy for over a decade. I went and saw you know someone, but it got to a point where I was going. But before I'd go in, I'd be like, okay, what's so fucked up in my life that I can talk about? Right, okay, I'll talk about this. And I had anxiety. I had anxiety because I was scared that this person is going to take me away in a white van. They're going to up my meds. And just even that whole process of going to the GP and doing the questionnaire, like I have a, a lot of passion and input about the system because giving an anxious person a questionnaire that really needs that help but you're just like well I don't want to put 10 because they might take me away in a white van but then I don't want to be like not too fucked up that I don't get the help so even just that whole process and then trying to find a therapist and even walking in and I'm like I've got anxiety about the receptionist judging me and just trying to act normal and having panic attacks in the therapy bloody reception area. It was all I'd known, but I got so good at coping with the exhaustion with, it was like adrenaline. It was like I'd been living off this adrenaline for my whole life, but I'd never feel good inside so at what point you know how you're saying you had the masks on and you felt like oh this is just who I am oh yeah did someone say something to you how did you get to the point where you went well I'm gonna have to go to a GP because that process sounds awful the way you've described it and you're right I completely agree with the process and your comments 100% couldn't agree more how did you get to that point that you thought I do need help I am gonna seek help I got to a point where I went from feeling everything to a point of being so numb and this is when I kind of spiraled into depression where I couldn't stop crying I couldn't leave the house I couldn't answer text messages I would be sitting on the couch bawling my eyes out about getting the dishes done but I couldn't do it and when my partner said to me what's wrong I'm just like I I don't know well he's like what are you feeling I'm like I feel nothing did you have kids at that point? Did I have kids? I can't even remember. No, I didn't. You didn't. You didn't um, have kids. Which that's almost lucky. No, I didn't have kids. Because sometimes I've noticed women will go to the GP and then they'll say, oh, well, you've got postnatal depression. Oh, well, you're a tired mum. 
Yes. And then you you kind of like how from a GP's point of view can you speculate who actually is having a serious problem and who is a really tired mum with a bad day? I actually don't know because they present very similar at times. So you're almost like you didn't have kids because otherwise I feel like you could have just been, oh, this is just how mums feel. Oh, I don't know. Yes. Yes. And I think that was like my ADHD diagnosis because I got that after having kids. And that kind of like filled my head for so many years of like, oh, I'm just, that's just mum, mum life, mum brain, blah, blah, blah. So you haven't had kids. You've, you're at the psychologist and then you've obviously gone in there. How did that work? What were you treated for to get to then get to the ADHD diagnosis? How did that work? Well, that, it was actually very separate. We, it hadn't even been brought up about ADHD across the 10 years so of seeing her. And I realised that in that process of getting therapy, if I'm honest, I did it because that's apparently what you have to do if, you, if you're crazy, if you've got anxiety, if you've got depression, you have to go see a psychologist. And I was seeing the psychologist because that's what I thought I needed to feel better and get out, but it actually did the complete opposite. It made me feel crazier because every single strategy that was given to me didn't feel like me. And I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, and I'm doing it and I'm like, well, I have to, I have to do this. Yeah, and I'm like, I have to, I have to meditate, I have to you know, focus on mindfulness, I have to write, I have to go and do yoga, I have to exercise more. And I realised, and this is kind of like why I'd stop, was like I'm doing every single thing that everyone says that you need to do. I went on medication and nothing was helping me get better. And I just felt like it was just more fucking Band-Aids and I just felt like everyone's just Band-Aiding me up even more on top of my mask not that I knew they were masks, but I knew deep down that there's something inside me that's stopping me from being me. Why do I care so much about what this person thinks of me that I've never met in my life, what, what they think of me when I'm driving and singing? I would stop singing at traffic lights because I was scared of the judgment of people like, oh, look at that chick, she's bloody crazy singing. You know, like, mm. like just it was just why do I care? And I couldn't stop. And yes, we did. We went back to my past and we did all that. Like over 10 years, you you can cover some good ground. But what I'd realised now, and I got to this point of complete, like I'm, I'm sick of it. No one's helping me. I'm going to find what is stopping me from being me. And I want to understand my anxiety and why I am the way I am. And I unknowingly took myself down this path and I found the root cause to my anxiety and I learnt every single thing about myself. And what I realised was, again, and I, I teach through lived experience, I share my story so people can see themselves in different perspectives. And for me, anxiety is there because there's no confidence or low, low, low confidence. So if you think about anything that you get anxious about, It's because you're not confident in yourself or in the environment or whatever it is. So how do we build confidence up is education. It's learning how to. So when in our lives are we ever taught or shown how how to learn who we are? When's the last time you've stopped and taken time to learn 
why am I the way I am? Not against a textbook, not against professional whoever, you. You're the only person that knows you. And so I did this. I learnt everything and it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And was that with a psychologist or was that like a, a course you did or how did you do that? That was my, myself. Oh, you did it yourself, like journaling? Like how, how did you taking time yes. off? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, it was over a few week period, like there was probably, it was probably two to four weeks. I just wrote, but I asked questions to myself. And again, I didn't realize I was doing it. But when I answered the questions that I asked in the right order, because what I'd done when I found my root root cause anxiety, I will never forget the 12th of April, 2018, it was 11.02. Like I will never, ever forget that day. I get emotional, like even saying it because, you know, I just, and in that moment, I was just like, how, how do I figure out what I just did so I can share this with the world? So for the next year, I just spent figuring out what I'd done in the order so that I could share it with others so that they can put their own stuff into it, into those steps and, and come out. Honestly, it's been absolutely life-changing, but it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. And that is getting honest with yourself, getting really honest with yourself. Because the truth is I wasn't honest with my psychologist because I had anxiety. I was scared of judgment. So I might give it a surface level, maybe like the next level, but you never get to the deep shit. And when you get to the root, to where the seed is, where it was planted, that is everything but it's hard and I get it because people have have stuff that they don't want to go back to I I fully recognize that but if we want to be our authentic selves if we want to live and own shit and back ourselves and take risks you know all that we have to know who we are and trust who we are and in our lifetime in school in our upbringings we're never taught that because we're taught from an early age and it's no one's fault it's just what it is we're taught from an early age and we're exposed in an early age of fit in this is this this is that shut up harden up people have it worse off suck it up but the fact is every single one of us has this little girl inside us where our emotional needs weren't met and we can't understand who we are and why we do things and why we worry about this and that and we can't understand that until we learn about where it came from and hold that little girl inside us and hold it and say you're allowed to be angry that your dad didn't come to your basketball game but we're masked with this they did the best they could and so we don't go there they did the best they could and we're masked also with trauma trauma I think society has these like five categories of trauma. It's mental abuse, sexual abuse, an illness, a death and physical abuse. But the thing is, if you actually look up the definition of trauma, it's one individual's ability to cope with a stressful situation. And I am not taking away from those huge traumatic times, but we need to hold ourselves in whatever the trauma was for us and allow ourselves to feel anger, to feel sadness, to feel resentment, to feel that, because that is what shaped 
us, I believe. And again, this is all my own lived experience. And No, I agree. I agree. I think it's similar to, to stress. Like sometimes I've been guilty in the past of someone's talking about stress and me thinking to myself, really, is that all you've got to worry about? Because I've always lived in chaos, complete chaos. So when I hear somebody talk about moving house and it's like, is that all, is that all you're worried about? But for them, that stress is really real and that's for them a big deal. And it's all relative to who you are, what you yeah. can cope with, what you're used to coping with because it's still real yeah. for them and I agree with trauma. Some people I feel like it's been thrown around a little bit like, oh, that was really traumatising and it might have been like a text message or something that is definitely not near like a sexual abuse. I think trauma has been thrown around a little bit yeah. but I fully understand and I agree with you that I think for someone trauma can be very different to another. Someone could go through something extremely yeah. traumatizing or a group of people go through it together and only two are affected. It's the person's reaction. It's, it's not the event. And PTSD doesn't always develop. Anxiety yeah. doesn't always develop. I completely agree with yeah. you. Sometimes I've heard some like horrific stories and they believe that they are okay and perhaps they are. And sometimes there's a smaller event that can yeah. really put someone into a bad path. I don't want to be bad and good, but a more difficult path. So mm. I agree with what you're saying. Can we get back on track to your story? Because I'm like desperate to know. So, okay, so you go and you do your, you yes. do your writing. You, you have this just like epiphany by the sound of it, right? I've got goosebumps listening to you. Yes. So you've had yeah. your epiphany. And oh. like when, when have you had yeah. your kids? How did this all happen? And then how did your diagnosis come for ADHD later on? Yes. So as I said, that year after, because I've been in kind of like operations, training, management, like I just, I love, so that kind of came into place. And I just said, I don't know how I can get this out to the world, how it looks like, what it looks like. And coming from someone who's a perfectionist and needs 18 different plans and needs to know, like, I was just like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I need to get it out. And so at that stage, I had a 10 month old baby and then so across the last five, six years, nearly seven years, I have just got this out to the world and I've just been you know, coaching people and, and guiding people through it and sharing my lived experience. And that's something that I realised there isn't anything around. It's all about the textbook. It's all about the qualifications. And a lot of people say to me, are you a qualified psychologist or counsellor? And I said, no, and I don't want to be. I am someone that has had 20 years experience living and breathing the fucking bastard. And in the pandemic of loneliness right now, people need connection. People need to feel heard and seen. And it's not about being fixed. It's about being held and listened to and helping people feel less alone and less crazy. And so it's kind of just evolved over the last five to six years. And I went, so my first child, he was an incredible baby. I was you know, very lucky, but I was really messed up mentally because I didn't enjoy it. But because I had anxiety, it was just like, well, you have to, you have to be grateful that you've had a child. You can't, and I'm like, I just, I'm bored shitless. I ended up drinking during the day because I was, when he'd sleep for three hours, like, what am I meant to do? And I've been a go, go, goer. I'm like a business person working. And I just, I was just like, who am I? And hence me kind of going down that spiral and uncovering what I uncovered. And then across my, my life, I guess I've always kind of 
known that I'm a bit left field of, compared to other people. I've always had so much energy. I've had like 80 million hobbies, all of that. But I just thought that that's me. I struggled through school. I don't know how I passed school. And with in terms of the ADHD, me getting diagnosed this, this year, so earlier this year, I had thought about it like probably two, three years ago. I was like, oh, I need to go through the process, but I'd always kind of hold off because I'm like, oh, well, it's just, that's me. I'm like this. That's just, I'm a, all the things, forgetting, whatever, doing 18 million things at once. And it wasn't till probably last year, early last year that I was like, oh, I really need to get it. So I went to the GP and did all the, the tests and she referred me to a psychiatrist, but I didn't follow through. I'm not sure whether that was, I don't know if it's fear, if it's, I think it inside of me, I'm like, everybody's doing it. Like, am I just doing it? Or is it just mum brain? Again, it was such an interesting process, but it got to a point late last year where I'm like, I have so much energy. I'm a, I'm a goer, but I can't do anything hundred percent. Yeah. I'm leaving taps on. I'm, I'm just like, I know I'm capable of being productive, but I can't finish anything. When I'd sit down at the end of the night, I'd have I'd have to have my laptop, a pen and paper, the TV show on and my phone. I could not watch a TV because I'd have to do all the things at once. And I'm just like, Lou, just focus. And this is me after coming out the other side of anxiety. So I, I just started to accept, oh, this is me. And then I finally booked in to a psychiatrist at the start, end of last year into this year and went down the process. And I think another thing was I had to get my mum to do the assessment from when I was younger. And I think there's there's different kind of processes, but that was part of the process. And she said to me, again, this, this kind of like old school mentality of, darling, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm like, mum, I know there's nothing wrong with me, but if there's something out there that can help enrich my life and be a more productive human because I've got energy and I've got passion and I've got shit to do but I just can't fucking do it <laughs> I'm like I want to I want to learn I just want to see and so like there was this kind of thing inside me like I just want to see because I've read so many all of the things and I have conquered my anxiety and I am so self-assured and aware and and confident on the inside now, but I just can't get shit done. <laughs> and so went down this process and I had to kind of like educate my mum, like having ADHD is not, doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. It's not about that. It's about learning who we are. And I think because through my anxiety you know, conquering journey, what I learned was the amount of stuff I learned about myself gave me freedom, gave me confidence, gave me the ability to back myself and trust myself. So I knew that learning all aspects about myself is just going to enrich how I live life and how I can be a better role model for my kids and break the fucking cycle. And so, yeah, I went down the path. So I've been talking for a long time. Please interrupt me at any point. Oh man, I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you space because I just think you're rolling and I'm kind of like wanting to hear the story. So I've written down a list of questions. You keep going. I think everyone kind of want to know where this ends and, and, and how it goes. 
So did you try medication or how how has things changed? Because I know you're out the other side now. Yes. So I went on to medication and he said, because I said, I don't know if I want medication. I just, I want to learn about myself and what are the options. And he said, my psychiatrist gave me that there are different strategies, but it's good to work the strategies alongside medication, but it's it's up to you. He recommended that I go, I try medication and I did. And when I went back a month after, he said, okay, so how are you going? And I was speechless. I cannot believe what's happening. It was like I got shit done. Nothing was an issue. Like I couldn't believe the calmness inside my mind. And this is not having anxiety. So I can't even imagine if you're struggling with anxiety and and ADHD, all of that, but I get it. And hence me wanting to share this story and talk about it more. And and for me, that moment of, he said, I've got severe hyper and inattentive ADHD and it my life made sense even more. You know, I look back and I'm like, that makes sense. Like back at school, I'm doing TE. You've got to study. All right, I'd studied. I'd locked myself in a room for four hours looking at the same fucking page, writing 80 million notebooks worth of notes, but nothing absorbing, getting to the exams and having panic attacks. And I'm just like, how did I get through? Realizing how much I would sit next to people in class and copy them. And oh, I just, you know, for me, I, I just I imagine how much more confident I could have been if I, oh, I kind of get emotional about it. If I had the opportunity or what there is now, which I'm excited about, you know, to get the support, to not feel like a, an outcast, which I think back then in our upbringing, that's what it was. And it's heartbreaking. There was someone I interviewed recently and she felt really similar around. She had had in her mind, I am dumb. I am not very smart. I have been told many times, I've failed many times, I'm aware of my limitations. And she held herself in quite a small little square and her psychologist encouraged her to get her IQ tested. And she got her IQ tested and found that it was actually above average, which was mind-blowing for her because she felt that she was dumb and she was in kind of lower positions than she could have achieved and she'd held herself back believing that she was actually not very smart. And I'm wondering for you, I wonder if yeah. you actually got your IQ tested because you probably, you come across to me as highly intelligent. Yeah, and that's, but yeah, it's that confidence. I, I lacked mm. for my whole life up until 32. I was just, I, I doubted every single action, thought, behaviour, everything in my life. And the amount of shame I think we hold I held so much shame around not being able to hold down a job or not finishing a qualification. And I just had this noise in my head saying, oh, what's Lou's job now? Or everyone talking about me and just so much. And it just, but now after overcoming my anxiety, I just learned like, this is me. And I like lots of different shit and I'm going to own it. And I accepted that, but then also like getting this ADHD diagnosis and going on to medication, it's just like, wow, I could have been me, but finished shit and achieved and been productive. But like, I don't live in the past. I learn 
And I'm so grateful that I've been able to deep dive into all of my stuff to learn me and now take action forward. And for me, it's about being that role model for the kids and having that education and awareness, which is completely life-changing. And just the perspective and being so open-minded, I think, so important. And trying to crush that stigma around diagnosis, around medication, around society, because the fact is every single one of us is so fucking different. And we've had different upbringings, different exposures, different everything. And so what I always like say, it's about perspective and looking inward, learning who you are, why you are the way you are, so you can own it and then go out and search for the strategies that are going to fit for you. People are always going to have their judgment and their things to say. They always are. But the place that matters the most in terms of trust and belief is inside. And majority of the world doesn't have that because they don't know who they are. So how can you build confidence in something that you don't know about, that you're not educated in? Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I think we're both very passionate about is receiving the right care. So if you are being um, treated for anxiety and I get I do get a bit bit ranty about particularly young girls because I've been there and I'm sure you've been there where they can be wrongly medicated and they can be given a lot of strategies that Mm -hmm. actually don't work for the little brain. So they get traipsed around appointment to appointment by very well-meaning parents who are only doing what's best for their children. It's actually probably the the most well-meaning parents that I think almost make the wrong mistakes or the most mistakes. My parents were those people, very well-meaning put the resources behind, full respect for what they attempted to do, but they didn't have the right medical guidance. They didn't, And back then it wasn't around. And now it's getting there. But us as mothers still have to fight. We have to fight yeah. for our kids. And I feel similar yeah. to you. There's a little, not a little bit, there's a lot of what could have been, what would have been if things had been different. Yeah. And I was alongside my brother who was given dexamphetamine, treated for ADHD, and I wasn't. And we had, it's, yeah. geez, it would have been good to, for me to put my fingers into that pillbox accidentally one day, that would have been an interesting result because I think I would have been like, holy shit. But I think the experience that I really yeah. don't want for girls in the future is that feeling of, well, I'm failing at therapy. I'm getting traipsed around everywhere. I'm getting medicated mm. and I'm not getting better. And yeah. I'm getting all this pressure to be feeling better, mm. but I'm not feeling better. Yes. What's wrong with me? Because yes. when you're talking about a lack of confidence, yes. where has that come from? Because if you're getting that message, there's something wrong with me, I'm not feeling good constantly, even though you're being giving all of this stuff that you could be doing, but it's not working. And that's where I think this message on this podcast and what you are doing in the Anxiety Project as well is so important because there's a lot of missed opportunity with us, but for our kids, we can do better still. There's lots of time to still impact the world and there's no one better to do that than mothers. Totally. And do you know what's so interesting is this year especially the amount of parents that have reached out to me to ask for help for their children because they're just like I've I've done all the things I'm at this edge of I don't know what else to do and you can you speak to my child can you work with my child and my approach is to work with the parent So they feel empowered and educated and equipped to support their children. 
because that's where it comes back to. And it's connection. It's deep connection. It's really learning our kids because of the society that we're brought up in and everyone's like, go, 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 go. And this is no disrespect or it's not about shaming or making people feel guilty. This is about making a change and being like, how can I best help my child? The question is, do you really know them? And and that's a very scary, hard question to answer. But what I do is share what I needed when I was this anxious, lonely, felt like I was super fucked up, adopted. Like I thought I I, I was just so different to everybody. No one cared about me, blah, blah, blah. By me sharing my story, I help people see their own life, their own story in a different perspective so that they can give what is needed, which is often 99%. It's your genuine connection. But do we know how to connect with child A, B or C amongst all of the shit that we're doing, all the things? Like I get it. But even like five minutes, 10 minutes here and there and I've gone through this with my own son. I, this year I've gone to a therapist to talk about my lack of connection with my boys because it's breaking me. Like I'm like, I just don't feel. But what happens is when you're not taught connection, how the fuck do you know what it is? How do you give it? So this year I have learnt about myself and the lack of connection I had growing up so that I can learn about me then see it in my kids and be able to apply what's needed for their personality. And I'm completely going off a tangent here, but it's simple, but it's hard. This is the thing. It's so simple. And what I, what I share with parents is think about what you wanted the most in the world when you were young, like when you were you know, five, six, seven, Think about what did you want the most? It wouldn't be a, a PlayStation or a horse or a, it's probably to be seen, to be heard, to feel like you were important. It's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because you know? I remember Christmas being so special because we played Monopoly as a family. And I thought about that recently and I was like, really? We could have played Monopoly on a Sunday. We could have played, like my dad worked a lot. He was a hard worker. But he didn't work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He had Sundays off. Probably would have enjoyed it as a tradie. He probably would have enjoyed sitting down with a beer. I wonder why we only played board games on special occasions. I don't know what it is. I agree with what you're saying. And I think medication has been a real game changer for me in terms of being able to connect. I think for an ADHD mum that has a very, very, very busy brain, as lots of us do, you actually are so distracted. You don't even realise how distracted you are. And it was only when my brain cleared a little bit that I actually realised, wow, I actually could sit down because I kind of, instead of running around with the nervous energy, the the stress, the anxiety around what I've got to do, what I've got to do, I've got to move fast because I know that I've got to move fast. It was kind of like prioritising like, okay, well, I probably could do the washing tomorrow. Okay, well, I've got dinner on. I've probably got 15 minutes here. And I think it was taking value in the small amounts of time for me anyway to sit down and connect, like, okay, Mm. I could do one round of, that's my limit. Okay, I can do one puzzle. Okay, if you help me do the washing, I can do one watching you do the bike up and down the street. Instead of, I suppose, me feeling like it was too overwhelming, like I've got to clear an afternoon to spend time with this one child. It's like, I could just take 10 minutes now. Yes. 
Yes, but I couldn't, it was like I couldn't yeah. put it together. And it's only been, and I mean, and I love how honest totally. you're being, it's only been this year that I've actually sat down in the last five months and played with my kids on the ground because I was unable to do that before. Yeah. And I'm not talking long periods, by the way. I'm yeah. talking like 10, 15-minute blocks. Like yes. they're not, but they're consistent blocks as opposed to I'm going to sit down and clear out two hours to play with you and then 15 minutes in I'm like I've got to get up because I can't stand it. Yes, totally. And I think I'm the same as you in a sense of it's only been this last year that I have intentionally changed my my the expectations. I've I've let go of so much shit. And yeah, and I think what's hard and something that isn't talked about a lot is it's fucking boring talking about the blue ball or playing Lego or your back starts hurting. Like it, that's the truth. But I've had to do a lot of work and, and we all need to do a lot of work about being, again, intentional and thinking about what fucking matters. Like I had this big meal planned, but I'm, I'm turning into a, a crazy bitch and the kids are going crazy. And I'm like, well, you know what? Baked beans on toast, meals going out the window and I'm going to spend 10 minutes here. And I do the same as you. I say, and I'm it's communicating. I communicate to the boys, even though my four-year-old, I say, all right, let's play one game of Uno and then mummy's going to do this and then we're going to do this. How does that sound? What do you think? And because I think it's still important for our kids to see us that this is life. you got to get shit done and stuff has to happen. But I now explain that to the kids, which I know I wasn't explained to. I think as well, it's interesting if my mum had have said to me, if you help me change all the sheets on the bed, I'm going to sit down and play whatever with you for 15 minutes. God, I would have moved quickly. And I think it's great when you mentioned as well about communicating, because if you communicate to your kid what's happening, they are going to keep you accountable. Because I've done that. How you go, you go, I'm just going to do the one round of washing and then you disappear and then you see the rubbish. Then you go out to do that, right? You go down a rabbit hole. And your kids are definitely going to come and say to you, hey, what are you doing? You said you were going to come here. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, right, yes, I was Yeah, Yeah, I'm back. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think something I want to share because I know we all have so much guilt. The guilt's just bloody firing all the time. And I always, like, share with my clients about, like, when you feel guilty, get into that and be curious about it. But turn that guilt into an opportunity and get curious because often when we're feeling guilty and we can't do all the things, the main thing that's missing is you as a mum not being fulfilled because we put ourselves last. But again, like it's, a, it's this cycle thing. We're like, we're not being fulfilled, but I can't because then I feel guilty and blah, blah, blah. But I think that the deeper layer with this is a lot of us don't truly know what fulfills us because we don't know who we are. Like when, when I say, oh, self-care, like, oh, self-care, go for a walk, have a coffee. But the fact is, does that really fulfill you or are you ticking the box or fitting in with the Joneses because that's what you have to do? Like for me, self-care and chilling out and filling my cup is working. Yes, you know, I agree. Work is I'm just, you know, and so I know when I'm like at boiling point and snapping at the kids and just losing my shit and getting bored and all, with playing with them and, yeah, I know that my cup's not full and I need to put that as a priority. But we, we I don't. I agree. And I know I didn't for years. 
You know, something that I feel like you're talking about, and I'm, I'm trying to find the right person. Have you ever looked at that work around shining light on the dark parts of your soul? I haven't. I haven't heard of that, but I think there's a lot of kind of terminologies that kind of do the same thing. There's like a whole technique and it just feels like you would love it. All right. I don't know, but I might put it in the show notes. What I was referring to is I did a lot of deep spiritual work like 15 years ago and I did this whole big meditation course with this spiritual healer and my husband still laughs about it, but it was actually amazing. And what she would talk about is shedding light on the dark parts of yourself. So for example, the jealousy, the anger, the guilt, the rage, the deep stuff Mm. that you're talking about, like the guilt because you haven't sat down with and played with your kids, you're not enjoying it. You're feeling rage towards someone. There's some dark, heavy stuff that everybody feels, but yet you would be one of the people that would be brave enough to actually open up your eyes, turn the light on and have a look at all the deep, dark shit that's sitting around in your body, brain, soul, heart, and have a good look and see where it's coming from. The idea behind it is that the only way to get rid of the darkness is to shine light on it. So you're talking about getting curious about what it is that you are feeling, why are you feeling it? If we continue to not look at the dark parts and try to, let's say, for example, social media over the top of it, like scroll, busy ourselves, we never stop to feel it. The reason I brought that up is because something that I'm struggling with at the moment I don't know if you struggle with it, but I've got to get on top of it at some point when I'm finished dealing with the kids and I'm going to prioritize it, I think probably more in the new year, is that with my chaotic life and impulsivity that I've always had, medication has stopped me from doing, making a lot of those choices. And so, yes, the anxiety is Mm -hmm. is a little bit better for me now, but also I think it's because I'm in less chaos Mm -hmm. because I'm not following every impulse, right? And because I'm a real doer, Like at nine o'clock in the morning, I'd have an idea and then I'd have the whole thing set up by three o'clock by the time the kids go home. I've done that with many things. And then I'm left with all of this half-finished stuff. And then because I'm a perfectionist, I then force myself to finish it. I don't just leave it. I have to then finish it. And I'm in complete mess. But because a lot of that is gone, what am I left with? I'm left with myself. And there are times that I have a minute. There are times that I'm not running around with my head cut off. There are times of more reflection. I am looking at my kids a little bit more closely in terms of how they feel about me, what am I saying to them, how much time am I actually spending with them. And when you're left actually with that, without all the busyness and the chaos that I was creating, it's actually really confronting because you actually have to change your your thoughts, your beliefs and your actions because you're not driven by the same things anymore. But then at the moment I'm kind of in a void Mm where I'm like, well, what's driving me? Who am I? What am I actually doing? Because usually I'm just running around with my head cut off. Now that's not happening. What's left? And I spoke to Jess Burgess. I don't know if you listened to her podcast episode. She did on anxiety from an expert, like a psychologist, like how does your brain work kind of podcast episode. And we talked at the end about the void, the darkness, and being left with yourself and how most of us, Mm. that's just opinion I have no idea how many but I would imagine most of us then try to escape what can I do to get out of this moment because Mm. it's feeling hard it's feeling icky and I don't want to be here what can I drink what can I eat what can I smoke Mm. what can I do to and I would then cause chaos I go Mm. find something to do and create a new project to get out of the moment 
But if we're left with all these moments, yes, like that for me is really confronting. Yeah. And it is because it's being with yourself. And when you don't truly know yourself, it's hard. Mm. And this is where, because I was, for majority of my life, I could not be alone. I could not. Mm. If there was like a a blank in the calendar, I would organise an event. I would organise a catch-up, coffee, sport. Again, it it was just full. And ever since, coming out the other side of anxiety, learning everything about me and why I am the way I, I am, I was, it's just like I crave time to me because I love seeing what my brain comes up with. I love having that space. Honestly, I never, ever thought there would be a day I would say that Mm. ever. And another thing in this thing called life is I think we forget that we're in chapters and often we kind of have whole guilt around, oh, well, I didn't achieve that or and we we compare, we're doing all this stuff. And we don't stop and, and look at, are we in a new chapter? Are we ending a chapter? And I always say, like, this is a new chapter. And chapters could be weekly, monthly, annually, after a big move, after another child, after a break. Like, we're in chapters. And I think if we can look at our lives like that, because we as human beings grow and learn and learn from life experience, we never stop to acknowledge that we're a different person. We have new amounts of information in our minds, in our bodies, in our environments that we need to adapt to or let go of. Or like, It's about being kind to ourselves and using the awareness to say, okay, well, I am not that person anymore and that's okay that I didn't achieve that or didn't do that or it's just like that wasn't it. But go me for giving it a go. I'm a goer. Like actually looking at these at guilt and shame and anger and you know frustration and resentment and all these so-called negative emotions and I I I have a real like about positive negative emotions they're all emotions but these these emotions are so powerful because what like rage or frustration or sadness whatever it is behind that inside that the deep in there is you is your values, is what you believe in, is is your drive, is your passion. So it's start fucking listening. And that's what I do now. I'm I hold myself, I'm like, I'm going through a bit of grief about something that happened 20 years ago, but I'm gonna like sit in it. It's here because it's needs to tell me something. Like, and that's not in a like a cosmic way. That's just the bloody truth. Because what yeah. happens is we're triggered in our lives. And we're like, oh, how come I'm really raging about this lady that pulled out in front of me and blah, blah, blah. But if you can take time, which no one has, but like really unpack what the deeper stuff is, we all have deeper stuff and ask your deeper why. Why is this? What is the truth? Like, let's get honest, Lou. Like, There's deeper layers. And yes, I'm not saying it's fluffy and rainbows. It's scary, hard stuff, but what happens is you get kind of addicted to this curiosity, like spinning the kind of like guilt, shame, all of that into like, oh, why am I feeling this? Like get curious. There's a reason. There's a lesson. When you hit the lesson or hit that kind of like, oh, my God, that makes sense, 
your life starts making sense. You start making sense and you want to learn more because you want to be you. Every single one of us wants to be who we are without feeling judged or we're going to get judged but not giving fucks about it. We want a bucket of fucks that we distribute evenly when we want. We don't Mm. want to just be throwing them out everywhere and that's what I know I used to do when anxiety controlled my life. Mm. And there's another tangent. (laughs) It is, isn't it? You know what? I'm going to go off on one more before we finish up because it's along the lines of what you're talking about. A couple of weeks ago, I said to my husband, I think I might have a breakdown soon. How is ADHD mum? You kind of just throw it out over dinner. I think I'm going to have Mm. a breakdown in probably about a week. And he's like, oh, cool. Thanks for letting me know. Didn't know what to say. He's like so like lovely, but he often will say to me, which we've learned from counselling, he will say to me, I don't know what to say. What should I say? And I'm actually fine for him to ask because then he actually learns what he should say. Otherwise, he gets avoidant and he just goes, how's the weather, which is not helpful. So anyway, he said to me, oh, okay, what do you want me to do? And I said, I want you to ask, how can I help? And he goes, how can I help? And I said, I think I might need to do something for myself and I think I'm probably going to need to do yoga on a Thursday night. He's like, oh, you've been talking about doing that for, for five years. So seems like a good time to start. Yeah. So anyway, ended yeah. up going. The reason that I went was not because I wanted to go to yoga, was because I just wanted to get out of the fucking house on a Thursday night because I have Billy all day Wednesday, house. most of Thursday. Yeah. Back and into Friday with him. Then I got the weekend. I'm thinking Thursday night, I need to be by myself. I walk in and I wasn't really very interested in being there and lay down and they said, oh, just do what your body feels. And I was like, oh, that sounds good to me. Nothing. So I lay down there and did nothing for a whole hour and I shut my eyes so no one would come and talk to me and ask me, oh, can I help you with the positioning? Because I'm like, fuck, I don't want you to talk to me or help me. I'm going to left the fuck alone. And actually they must have picked up on my fuck off energy because they didn't come over. And anyway, I was laying there and it was so nice to relax. It was so nice to relax. And at the end of it, I did get in the last five minutes, I just got a really nice message on something that I needed to hear. And I was like, that was really good. Left and thought, didn't achieve much. Don't you love the achievement focus? Ended up going back. I think it was a Sunday afternoon. Again, only because I thought I just want to get the fuck out of the house. I did the same thing, laid down, did no poses. Mm, mm. And anyway, they did try and come over and I was like, no. Anyway, did no poses, lay down. And I, when I came home, my hubby was like, oh, how'd you go? And I always say, really well, thanks so much. It was so amazing because I wanted him to feel valued, right? Not just I lay down, did nothing. But I realized that I actually really need to do nothing more often. And this message around meditation and me not being able to meditate is not a real message. And I think us getting into this habit as ADHD mums, and I've been saying it on these episodes, so this is me too. Oh, I have so much trouble meditating. Oh, I can't meditate. Mindfulness is so hard. That's a technique I can't do. Well, actually, I've had to really strip that back in the last couple of weeks and think to myself, well, actually, the fact that I don't want to do it means that I should be doing it. And sitting there and sitting for two minutes, for three minutes, is probably what I need to be doing. Because I shouldn't have to drive to yoga to lay down with seven, not 70, probably 30 other people in this small room to be able to lay there and be with myself. And that's been a real message that I've had to get. And I've got recently got an Apple watch my husband gave me and I've set reminders to just do a two minute stop because 
it seems to be something I fight against, which makes me think I need to do it. Yeah. It's anything that's uncomfortable. You got to jump in. Yeah. Because this, yeah, this and- story that I have ADHD, I have a busy mind, I can't stop. I think I need to try harder actually. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what you've just done is get honest with yourself and it's uncomfortable and it's just calling yourself out. And this is you. Know, what I've realised is that majority of the time your partner, your mum, your dad, your family, your best mates and even your psychologist is not going to call your bullshit. Not that's bullshit but it is bullshit. You know, and and this is this is what we need. We need to learn how to call ourselves out in a in a caring kind and like let's step into who we are type way it's the only way I agree I agree let's finish up on this what would be this is gonna be a big question so you're gonna be like okay maybe if it's too big what would be a takeaway that you think that people should get from this episode because I'm conscious we haven't named it yet what do you think the name of the episode should be and what do you think the key takeaway should be ah wow I think I think it's about really leaning into, lean into your gut, lean into owning you, whatever that's going to look like. Lean into yourself and find the things, the strategies, whatever it is to be able to support you. And if you're kind of like, well, I don't know who I am, that's where you need to start learning. Learn, unpack some uncomfortable stuff and Again, we're all so different and it's kind of like close the blinds and start really challenging yourself on, on all the things in, in a kind, curious way because Excellent. You, I am not here to, to shame or help or, or, or guilt or, or help people feel more guilty. It's about that ownership and awareness when you can find awareness and Start getting uncomfortable with the honest conversations, with the honest answers, with doing some deep diving. When you can do that, you will live a more authentic life. Like that is just, I will chuck it out there. And you can't get it from these, the Band-Aids that are out there. I believe they're all Band-Aids. You're the only person that can learn about yourself and dive deep and get on it. That creates more happiness. Oh, completely. Because that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because so many people and I was there for a bloody long time. You, you're living a life by ticking other people's and society's boxes. And that's why we get angry and resentful and jealous. And, and we compare spending our whole all our energy comparing and being not feeling not good enough and not worthy. And it's not enough. Nothing is enough. Like, do you know what you want to be happy. And this was an absolute key point in me looking inward was when I started to blame my partner about him not caring, he's not asking questions, he doesn't give a shit, he doesn't know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was just like, I'm not happy. And he actually asked me, what do you want? And it was like a big, like, oh, a banger in the head. And I was just like, holy shit, I don't know. I don't even know who I am. I don't know... And then I realised, because I was turning into this resentful, angry, fuck everyone kind of person, which I'm not, but inside, I was just like, how can he give me what I need when I don't even know what I need to make me happy? 
And I guess something that your listeners can take away, which is an exercise that I, I share with everyone, and it's on a big piece of paper or a small piece. No, you don't need you need a big piece of paper or an A4. In the middle, write, I am at my happiest when. And then actually stop and think and feel the moments you're happy. Not comparison, like remove comparison. For instance, if, if that little black dog comes in and says, well, you're a mum, you need to put that being a mum makes you happy. <laughs> if you're not happy, don't ride it. Like find yourself. And what you'll find, you know, 99% of the time when you stop and look at that piece of paper, it's all the small, simple shit. And yet take a look at where you're spending your energy, where you're spending your life, where you're clawing back to tick that box because your best friend has it ticked. Yeah, and you often see when everyone has everything, they've got nothing on the inside and it's just heartbreaking. So, yes, I 100% think that when you deep dive and start changing the perspective and start truly listening to who you are, what you're feeling, like get underneath, get the deep layers and dive in, educate yourself on yourself, you will find that happiness. You'll find acceptance in who you are in all your your squeaks and cracks and all of it like own it like when you can own it and be like this is me like it is happiness like being your most authentic self is happiness and being able to guide and role model that for your kids or for the the next generation is like pure happiness I believe again everyone's different I'm going to call this episode being your authentic self because I think you've hit the nail on the head there and I also think like I love leaning in but I was also thinking no one's going to want to listen to that because that sounds scary. Yeah. Yes. That sounds like something no one wants to do. I know. and But that's what we all need to do. I agree. And, I agree. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just think about every uncomfortable, shitty thing you've been through in your life, what you learn, how you grow, the, the future decisions you make from those experiences in your life have have changed have made you who you are have made you stronger more resilient more equipped the hard shit is what we need to get through and learn from to be able to break the cycle to give our kids the tools to support them to guide them and be the best version of ourselves absolutely Well, we're going to finish up on that note, Lou. That was such an empowering episode. Thank you so much. If you're listening to this and you want to hang out with Lou more, as we all do, jump over to The Anxiety Project. I'll have it onto the show notes and we'll obviously do some shared socials on it. If you've loved listening, please send in a review. If you'd like to hear Lou speak about something else, send me a DM. I can ask her back, see if she's available. She seems like she likes to chat, so I'm going to run the gauntlet and say she probably will. Yes. But thank you so much, Lou, for all of your beautiful sharing. And I think vulnerability would be the right word to use. I really, I I think it's been a really insightful episode. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. That's what I do is get vulnerable. I actually have a podcast, the Getting Vulnerable podcast. So, (laughs) Oh, there you go. Well, I'll have to put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. 